How to Be a Great Communicator with Mixergy founder and podcaster extraordinaire, Andrew Warner. You're listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you communicate with confidence and clarity so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by the people who matter to you. If you want to make awesome connections, build strong relationships and get what you want in business and in life, this podcast is for you. To subscribe to the show and download the back catalogue, go to thecmethod.com slash podcast. Yes, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Christina Cantors, podcasting to you all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am super excited for this episode because it is a cracker. Now, last year when I was in Berlin, I reached out to Andrew Warner asking him to be a guest on my show, but I didn't send an email. Nope, I sent him a 37-second video. The result? He said yes, even when he was saying no to everyone else. If you want to see that video and the video version of this podcast, visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash mixergy, M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. All right, let's get straight into the interview with the very amiable Andrew Warner. I've been looking forward to this. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Good to talk to you. You too. Thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Glad to. I really so, like your design, like all the little touches. I'm putting my phone on uh, Do Not Disturb. All okay. the little touches on your site have just been really cared for. Like, really? what was it? There was one where um, you had a statement to make and it was photos of you holding up signs. Yeah, that's kind of, I've, I've used those sort of everywhere. It's on my Twitter. It, yeah, every time I go to write a heading, I think, you know what? It would actually look better if I just used my you know, little signs. So I like holding so up signs. So are you photoshopping them after the fact? Yeah. Ah, wow. So I, was, I, I was looking for that. It didn't seem like you do. <laughs> well, it shows I'm pretty good at Photoshop then. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I just got my, my photographer friend to just take a ton of photos of me in all different poses and I just keep reusing them. So that really works. Yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you liked the video. You kept it moving. You kept it moving. You kept it short. <laughs> Usually when someone sends me a video, I don't want to watch it. I send it to a virtual assistant. I say, can you tell me what this person's asking? Because five minutes of just slow conversation, but you just kept it moving and it was short. It was great. I thought you'd appreciate that. I actually really made impressive. A, one video I did make for another guy. It was about a minute and I asked him for his feedback and he said, it was good. It was a bit long. I'm like, it's a minute. All right. Oh, okay. Next one. I'm keeping it, wow. keeping it super short. So I could have um, listened even longer and it was because you just kept it moving. Oh, I'm so glad you think that. How many Thanks. videos do you receive? <laughs> Not that many. Okay. It's just every once in a while, someone will send me a video and it's usually a, a developer who doesn't feel comfortable writing and wants me to understand an idea that he has. And the videos just go on and on and on and say, well, you could write just two sentences. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, for sure. How many emails do you get? Requesting oh, way too many. To, how many do you get requesting you to do interviews? You know, I used to say yes to all of them. I don't know. It's a lot. And now I'm actually saying no to everyone, but we couldn't say no to you after that. I really yes. have now. <laughs> okay, enough of the pre-interview gush fest. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm super excited to be chatting with Andrew Warner, the founder of Mixergy, a site where proven tech entrepreneurs teach entrepreneurship. 
Now, Andrew has done over a thousand video interviews with extraordinarily successful people, including the founders of companies like LinkedIn, Groupon, and Pixar. Before starting Mixergy, however, he himself built a $35 million internet business whilst in his 20s, which is incredibly cool. But if you want to learn more about that, I would say just Google it because today we're talking about how Andrew used his communication skills to get to where he is today to build his business and increase his network. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Now, I'm also excited because this is my very first interview, a video interview for the podcast. So podcast listeners, if you're listening in, if you want to listen in again uh, while staring at both of our faces, I'll put the video in the show notes for you there. So now, Andrew, you've interviewed and spoken with hundreds of really successful people. Have you ever interviewed a homeless person in your city, San Francisco? No. You know what? That would be an interesting interview. It's a little off topic unless they used to have a <laughs> successful company or tried to have one and failed. That would make it really interesting. Have you ever and spoken to them? Fit. Sorry? Do you ever speak to them on the street? Because I know there's a lot in San Francisco, right? Um, You know, frankly, you can't tell who's homeless and who's not. What you can tell is who is strung out and who's not. And you don't want to talk to the strung out people. But the cool thing about San Francisco is you can see a venture capitalist who only know is a successful venture capitalist and not a homeless person if if um if you read their blog post. I I, I don't mean this as an insult to Dave McClure, but if you didn't know Dave McClure was a top venture capitalist, you wouldn't know that he wasn't just a homeless person who was out here in San Francisco. He has his T-shirt, right? Just like everyone else, he wears flip-flops with his feet out even when it's cold. He he tucks his T-shirt in and puts a belt on around him. Just you know, there's no way to know. Yeah. That's really interesting. I actually had a, um, I mean, I got really sick of people asking me for money and I always just sort of ignore them and brush them off. And now I've decided that next, the next person who asks me for money, I'll say, all right, I'll give you something, but I want something in return. I want you to tell me a story or like ask them about something. So I'm like, you know, that's a bit of an exchange there. Anyway, one thing I like to ask all my interviewees is about their two things. Yep. Now, the two things is based on the idea that any topic or subject can be distilled down to just two things. Okay. And everything else is either an application of those two things or it's just not important. Okay. So, one little example that I'm going to share with you that I found online is the two things about marketing. Number one, identify who you're trying to reach. Number two, don't just reach them, grab them by the balls. Okay. So, that's just one example. Okay. What I'd like to ask you, Andrew, is what are your two things about approaching and speaking to women? Don't do it unless, like, <laughs> not for, I mean, if you're talking about the way that we talked about before the interview started, which is about dating, I found, I found my wife and we're happy together. So I'm, I, I'm not looking to date anyone else. If it, if you're before, asking what I used to do, were, right? Yeah. It sounds like based on our conversation before the interview, that's where your curiosity is. What did I do or what do I believe, uh, I learned from trying to meet women back when I was a dork? Here's what worked for me. Do it consistently every day. Don't worry about what you're saying as much as just starting to say something. So those are the two things. Do it often and don't worry about what you're saying. Just worry about whether you're, you're speaking or not. Just whether you're speaking or not. So yeah. It I'll tell you really why. I remember my brother and I used to go out and say, let's just go and try to meet some women out here instead of feeling like they're out and we want to get to know them, but there's a glass wall separating us from them. And that glass wall is, built by us because we're just not able to bring ourselves to have a conversation with a stranger. 
And so I remember in the beginning, I used to say to Michael, I'm not going to go up to her until I have the right, what's the right line? How do I start off this conversation? Is there something going on here? Can I comment about what she's wearing? What about what, whatever. And that was just the the wrong approach. What I needed to do is just walk over and say, hello. I know it sounds dorky. I know it sounds like something that your mother would say, but it just works. It doesn't matter what you say. It just matters that you have the guts to walk over. And if someone's into you, they'll say hello back and then, you know, you can continue. If they're not, then the perfect pickup line is just going to be a drag. Because it looks like you're trying too hard. Yes. So tell me about the first time that you attempted this. Do Do you remember? Yeah. And just to give the audience a sense of where I was before I attempted all this, I remember being in a humanities class in college where there were maybe 20 of us. And there was, no, actually it was 10. It was such a small class. There was this girl who was sitting in the class. I was interested in her because she'd have these interesting answers to the questions that the professor would ask. And he, he had a, a very question answer, um, uh, format. And I liked her, I liked her responses to it. Socratic method is the word I was looking for. She, she, he used the Socratic method. She had smart answers. She looked interesting. I liked the way she dressed. I wanted to talk to her. I never said a single word to her throughout the class and I regretted it. I felt like such a punk, such a loser, not just in that moment, but for years afterwards. And it's that ability to not get to know someone, never mind dating or not, but to not get to know someone who you're curious about, who you think is interesting, who you'd mesh with, who could be a good friend, if not a date. That's just painful. And so I carried that pain with me. And frankly, I didn't do anything about it because I didn't know what to do. Where do you, where do you even go figure this stuff out? And I channeled all my energy, all my failure, sense of failure into work. I said, you know what? If I can conquer that, well, I can conquer work. There's a lot I can study about work and get good at it. And I'll channel my energy in there. And that's why I was able to build that company that we talked about that you mentioned at the top of the interview. Well, once uh, we sold a substantial stake of that business, a bit, we sold it off in pieces. Once the biggest pieces were sold, I had a lot of free time on my hands. And I said, I'm not going to start anything new. I'm not going to get a job. I don't need to do that. What do, what do I do? I'm going to focus on what I care about. I'm going to go out six nights a week and try to meet women. And I'm going to practice. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. And Great. I intentionally didn't read out any of the books about it because I said, my goal is not to learn a system. It's to learn myself. I don't want to have to learn how to, how to use someone else's process to meet someone. I want to learn how to be more myself and allow that to come through. I don't want to feel like there's a glass wall anymore. Mm. And that's, that's what I did six out of seven nights a week. I forced myself to stay in just like at first I had to force myself to go out six nights on the seventh night. I had to force myself because I was learning so much. And even if I felt like a loser, I wanted to go and fix it, you know, the next day. And so I had to say to myself, no, you tend to go to do things too much and you're going to burn yourself out, force yourself to stay in, to get comfortable with yourself at home, to read at night and then go out, you know, six other nights, but take one night to yourself. Yeah, it's really good. I think just what you you mentioning forcing yourself to do something, I think that's just so important because I know that you know, anything that isn't natural to us or that's difficult, it's, we're never going to actually feel like doing it. And this is like, say, going to a networking event or a party where you don't really know anyone. You kind of think, uh, it's just easy to not go. So I think just to recognize that it's going to take force and you have to force yourself to go. So thanks for bringing that up. I think yeah. that everyone needs to take that on board for sure. Now I want to ask about when you first started doing interviews, who was the first big fish that you went for in order to, to, to interview on your show? The very first big person that I went for who said and said yes was Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. 
I read his books a lot when I built my company. I just reconnected with him through his blog um, after I I started doing interviews. And I thought, I want to interview him and ask him some questions because there's some things about what he wrote that I just don't understand how to use or I want to challenge and push back. And, And also, frankly, there was another reason for it. At one point, he said, if you buy 10 of my books, you can come and watch me speak live and you can even record it and post it anywhere online. So a friend of mine said, if you buy the 10 books, I'll record it. I'll go in and record it because she was in New York and I happened to be in California. She could record it in person and I couldn't be there. So we did it. I posted it up on my site and I suddenly got traffic. People discovered. I didn't even post it anywhere. I didn't tweet it. I didn't do anything. Just his fans are so good that they discovered it. And so, yes, I wanted to ask him questions to have a better understanding of his book. I wanted to ask some challenging questions because I thought that there were some things that I didn't understand or didn't make sense to me. And the third reason was I wanted the traffic and I got all three. Mm. So, so wait, did you, did you interview him? Yeah. So after I posted that video, I said, I'm going to ask him to do an interview with me. And I emailed him a few times and he finally said yes. And I got to post the interview and it got me traffic. And in the interview, I learned a lot about his ideas and he even liked the challenging questions a lot. So it satisfied all of my my goals. And then from there, I was able to say to everyone else who I asked to do an interview, can I interview you? Past guests include Seth Godin. Seth Godin. And they know it and they feel like, <laughs> nice. oh, Seth Godin would do yeah. some betting. He's not, you know, this yeah. guy, this guy sat down with Seth Godin at least. Were you nervous when you interviewed him? Yeah. It yeah. was my what first video interview. Um, so that made me nervous. If you look at the old video, if it's online, it is online. You can see that I put earphones in, but I wanted to hide the earphones. So So I put them behind and they went (laughs) like over my shoulder. And the problem was one of the earphones fell on my, on my, um, on my shoulder because it's not meant to be worn that way. But what I always go back to in the interviews is something that helped me in that one with Seth, which is what do I really want to learn? And what I really wanted to learn, I have to just get true with myself. What is my issue? And at the time, he was talking about the book Tribes, the idea that we all need to have our own tribe. And I had all these books of people who I admired, and I held up three of them for him. I think it was, I said, look, here is Ted Turner. Here is Warren Buffett. Here is Sam Walton. I've read their books. I studied them. I admire them. I want to be successful the way they were. Not one of them had a tribe. And so if no one that I really read about had a tribe, why why are you telling us we need tribes? And it was a challenging question. And at that point, he could have either said, he could have basically said, bug off. I don't need this confrontation. I'm doing you a favor. Or he could have welcomed the, 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 the challenging question. And he did. You can see his face light up when I hold the books. And he said, Andrew, the world is changing. Back then, you didn't need a tribe and you couldn't really put one together unless you focused on it full time. Today, the tools are available and today you need the tribe because that's the way the world is. And he explained why and it was so helpful. And I think I do have a tribe today. That's that's amazing. So you, I know that you love learning from people and that's that's part of the reason why you started Mixergy because you wanted to learn from successful people. Exactly. For someone... For someone who is like, cause a lot of my listeners are, they're, they're students or they're graduates and they're sort of getting into the, the workforce. But I know what it's like. It's, you know, oftentimes you finish your degree and you go, I don't know what I, I don't know. This is what I want to do. And, you know, cause there's so much out there that you're just unaware of. And obviously like talking to people who are already there is really helpful. Would you, would you recommend that people actually do their own interviews? 
Yeah, absolutely. Just to, as a learning experience. Yeah, don't try to recreate Mixergy in order to give yourself permission to do interviews. I think you should say, who do I admire right now? And go and do an interview with them. I used to work on Wall Street as, as an intern in college. And I remember the guy who I who ran the company I worked for, Ace Greenberg, was a legend on Wall Street. I just wanted to meet him and ask him some questions. And I, I, I think it was I called him up. I talked to his assistant. I told the assistant I want to meet him. And I'm just an intern who's not even getting paid. Would I be able to meet him? And the assistant said, yeah, absolutely. He loves meeting everyone who works at the company. And she scheduled an appointment for me. And I just came in after work. I only had three minutes with him or maybe five. I was extremely nervous. It was on the floor of of the the stock where they were trading stocks. And we had an interesting conversation. And one of the things I, I learned from him, one of the messages that he drove home to me was he said, you know, Andrew, if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. And I know that sounds a little cliched now as I tell it to you, but he's a guy who did love what he did. And he, he never felt like he had to work a day in his life. He was the guy who everyone wanted me to, to find out what his personality was like, because even when the market crashed, he did one of these like golf stroke gestures, like, Hey, it's nothing, just another day on the, on the field. Yeah. And so I, I, that stuck with me, but I want to learn more. And I think if you just go and have a quick conversation with your boss, you can ask a few questions. But if you say, I want to formally do an interview with you that I will publish on my Facebook page for my followers or on my Tumblr page for a wider audience, you can have more than three to five minutes. You can spend 30 minutes asking questions. You can probe a little bit more. And if you have the 15 to 30 minute FaceTime with the boss, the head of the company, or someone you admire who runs another company, then you build a relationship with them through the 15 minutes conversation, through the 30 minute conversation. How many people in their lives do they get to sit down with for 30 minutes who pay attention to everything they say? You can be that person. So what, what's the, um, what's the unexpected benefit that you've had from uh, sort of relationships wise from doing interviews? What's something that happened that you just totally didn't expect to happen? Um, there's so many things that I can come up with. I'll give you a few examples. I moved to Argentina because I wanted to just try a new country and I didn't know anyone. Because I do Mixergy interviews, I was able to post that I'm in Argentina and get, I think it was 20 people to come to a restaurant that I'd never been to before. And we all had drinks. We got to know each other. I remember I met one of them, uh, Chad, and he and I became such good friends that when um, my wife and I wanted to take a, a Valentine's Day trip, he recommended a great place. And he and his kids took the dog that we have for the, for the weekend to watch the dog. I played chess with the son who helped me become a better chess player. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you can't, you can't post an ad on Craigslist and find. No. Um, I have lots of others. I moved to San Francisco and I wanted to get to know people here quickly before we had kids. I was able to reach out to people who I interviewed in the past and have them over for drinks in my house or have them over for dinner in my house, brunches. And so you build really good relationships that way. Yeah. That's awesome. And I know like for people who are um, sort of out there looking for jobs and things like that, it's a really good way just to get like a foot in the door as well. Like so so for people listening to this, you know, it doesn't have to be someone within your company. You could go and interview someone outside your company. And, and like Andrew was saying, like it doesn't have to be like if you say I want to formally interview you, then they're going to take you more seriously. It's not just a chat yep. or a coffee. It's something that you're actually going to take and post, even if it is just to say Facebook. I actually didn't think about that. You don't need a blog. You don't need a podcast. You can just posting it somewhere. You can frankly reach online. more people today on a Facebook page than you could on a blog. 
I, yeah. I really highly recommend that you do it. I remember one of the people who I interviewed, a woman named Heidi Roizen, was friends with both, uh, I think, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. And she'd gotten to know so many people in the tech industry. She's done great posts about her time um, uh, working with Apple. And one of the things that she did early on in her career was she went to her boss and she interviewed him and she wrote it up for what at the time was a company newsletter. That's all it was. But it was a start of a relationship with her boss. It was a start of her saying to herself in the world, I'm not a passive viewer. I'm not just here to be an employee of all these people who are going to, who are going to rule and change the world. I'm an active player here and I get in the room by doing an interview. And as a result, she built her own company. She sold it today. She's working as a venture capitalist with DFJ, one of the premier venture capital firms in, in the Valley. So that's the kind of thing that I admire, that I admire and I encourage everyone who's out there to do. Well. Wow. If that's not inspirational for you guys watching, then I don't know what is. So get out there and do interviews. Get out there Andrew, and do we've, it. we've got time for just a couple more questions. How has doing interviews improved your communication skills even further? Um, it's the fact that I do them so consistently that helps. If you do an interview once and then you stop for a month and then you come back and do it again, you give yourself a month of just getting in your own head. Should I have asked that question? Should I maybe maybe not do another interview. Maybe it's not for me. But what I do is I schedule a few interviews in the future. So if I do an interview today, there's always going to be at least one other and probably now at this point for me, dozens of interviews scheduled in the future. So if I feel bad about the way I did today, I can't back away. I have another interview scheduled. I have to confront my fear and I can keep going. The other thing is I find little um hooks or little ways of recovering even when I and I don't know what to say or if I slip. So for example, I used to be in I remember once doing an interview with someone and my mind wandered and I didn't know what to ask as a follow-up question. So I said to myself, if that ever happens again, I'm going to write a list of follow-up questions that work no matter what. At any time in an interview, I could pop up and and do these and do these questions. So if I lose track, boom. One of the questions was, you know, What's your motivation? What you're saying here is so amazing. I wonder what is it about you that motivates you so much that you can do all this? You know, that question, what's your motivation? You could have asked me at any point in this interview, right? You could yeah. have asked me about it if you forgot what I, if you spaced out while I was answering, um, the homeless question or spaced yeah. out while I was asking about, <laughs> while I was talking about what I did for dates. So you find that I do the same thing in, in real yeah. life. Sometimes there are people all over the office here. Um, on the floor who have offices on the same floor as I do. If I bump into them and I don't remember who they are, I don't remember what to say. I need a hook. What do I say to them? So I have an easy one that I've been using for years. If it's a Monday, I easily can ask them, so how was your weekend? What'd you do? You know, and some, everyone always does something that they could talk about. If it's a Friday, it's what are you up to this weekend? Yeah. You know, what do you do on Wednesday? I do on Wednesday. How's your <laughs> week going? Or, <laughs> Man, hump day is really killing me. Is it killing you? <laughs> yeah. And then do you have any plans for the weekend? Yeah. The, the interesting thing about weekend is it gets people out of what their work life is and it gives me something interesting about them. So if they go skiing, I know that they're skiers and that gives me something that I can talk to outside of their, their boring old job. Everyone else is going to ask, what do you do? You know, I can get to know about their skiing, their ski trip. Yeah. I like asking people who I meet for the first time. I like asking them, what do you do with your time? Because it gives them the option of not having to talk about work as opposed to what you do, which sort of implies what do you do for a job. Mm. So, And you get really interesting answers from people. And then if someone goes, oh, 
I don't really know. Then I know, okay, maybe I don't want to talk to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you don't do anything else for work, I don't I've know. I've heard that phrase is how do you spend your day instead of what, ah. what do you do for your, for a living? So that if someone is a housewife or a house mom, a house uh, dad, excuse me, they, they could talk about that. That's how they spend yeah. their day. Or if they're students, they could talk about that and they don't have to say, well, I don't have a job. It avoids having to put that label on it. Yeah. Anyway, one last question, Andrew. If people want to find out more about you and listen to some of the amazing interviews that you do, where can they find you online? The site is Mixergy, M-I-X-E-R-G-Y.com. Perfect. That's all you need no, to know, don't everyone. end it right here. We have to talk about something. Huh? Okay, what do we Keep need to talk in. about? Here's what we have to talk okay. about. <laughs> I would have said absolutely no to this interview. We should have started with this, frankly. I should have yeah, interrupted okay. you and just jumped right into this. <laughs> I have a, yeah. a team here that screens my emails and they, I, I told them I can't say no to people. Can you please, if someone asks for an interview, say no. If someone asks for a meeting, for coffee, whatever, say no. I don't want to do it. And frankly, I can also say no, but I'd rather not. It's harder for me. So they usually will say no to interview requests and other requests because I'm now, I'm trying to catch up on some things and I just had a baby. So I, I want to, Focus internally. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So how, hang on, how many emails do you get requesting you to do interviews? Do you um, know? Or you just don't at look least, at that anymore? At least seven a week. Okay. But having said that, I used to say yes to every single one. I'm looking forward to the day when I can say yes to every single one. But I just started teaching this group of interviewers how to do interviews. I have a, uh, members of Mixergy who are paying customers who need my attention. I have a staff now, a team that helps me create Mixergy. I'm not paying enough attention to them. And at the same time, I have a baby at home that I want to start. I want to start off my relationship with him, right? Yeah. So, temporarily, I'm saying no to all interviews. Well, not to yours, and the reason not to yours is because you sent this incredible <laughs> video over. And unlike other people who just talk into the camera and blah 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 blah, you know, they're they're saying nothing for for five minutes. You kept it really short and kept it moving all the time. The editing work alone on that was just so good. I said, I have to meet her. I have to talk to her somehow. And if it's because of an interview, then that's what it'll be. But I have to see the person who put it together. And it was just a great, great video. How can you say no to someone who put in that much effort? How can you say <laughs> no to someone who understands that, that, who understands that I'm getting a lot of emails, but also understands that even a long video is a, is a chore and kept it moving. You really, you captured my attention and, and frankly, not just mine, but other people on the staff here. Well, thank you. And this is something that I, I try and teach, you know, I try and encourage people to be creative with the way that they Would you post the video that you sent me? Sorry? Would you show your it's, audience the video that you sent me? Oh, it's online. It's on YouTube. Oh, okay. What, all the videos, the all the videos that Let I do. Let them see it. All the videos that I do um, are on YouTube. So I can see all the people who you want to meet? I didn't realize that. You can see all the people that I've already made videos for. And Oh, uh, there's a message for Andrew Warner that was sent two weeks ago. Um, yeah. But I don't... A hundred burpees for time. I don't see yeah, another I, one, I, a message for I someone make, else. I make, I make videos for doing other random things. I did one for Pat Flynn. I did, a, I did one for... That was a long one, but that was a song. So I think I got away with that. <laughs> But look, even the intro, even the, the thumbnail looks good. A message for Andrew Warner. So I've actually done that too for, for my customers or potential customers. If they ask me a question and, and it starts off with, is it, if, is this really Andrew or to whoever is really answering this? I have a question about being a customer. My response is to shoot a one minute video and I mark mine unlisted so that other people can't see it and I can respond personally to that one person. I just mm -hmm. assumed you did that, but I can see that you didn't. 
Well, when I started doing these, my initial, initially I was like, oh, I should make it unlisted or I should make it private. But then I thought, oh, why not? I'll just make it public. So what? And then I started getting all this really positive feedback from people who were then inspired at saying, saying, I, I want to make videos now for people. So it's been really great um, in, in that sense. So I, that's why I continue to do them and making them public. So You know what? And now I see fun. I didn't notice them before because the cover was different. Um, but if I read them carefully, uh, I can see there's one, a message for Austin Kleon. I saw the video for um, for Pat Flynn. And I see, is it a stand-up message for Judy Carter? That's someone else you want to get to know? Um, I just interviewed her last week and her episode's coming out today, actually. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, she, she was great. She actually taught me some stand up joke formulas. So okay. I used those and I made a video of me doing a stand up mini show asking her to be a guest on my podcast. Ah, so, oh, that's uh, so, great. so each, so each, each invite is personalized and specific to that person that I'm targeting. I can see that. That's, yeah. Um, but you know, but this is stuff that, you know, you, I try and encourage people to do this for when they're, say, um, you know, ask, say, asking someone for an interview who they might want to, you know, someone from another company, or if they want to get the attention of a company that they want to work for, they can make a video or do something creative or make them something and send it to them. There was one architect who I interviewed, Matthew Frederick. I made him a book because he's not, he doesn't have a huge online yep. presence. So I thought, well, he'll respond better to a handmade object and being an architect or designer. I thought that'd be nice. So I made him a book, sent it to him. He said yes. So, so far it works. <laughs> this stuff is really effective. You know, everyone mm. else just sends emails to get something, something in the mail or something more personalized stands out. All right. I yep. wanted to make sure your audience saw that and heard <laughs> about it. And now thank they you did. very much, Andrew. You bet. Thanks again for, for uh, being a guest today. Had a great time. Yeah. Thanks so much. Massive thank you to Andrew Warner for those kind words, which I have carefully extracted and planted in various testimonials around my website. Now, I hope you got something out of this episode. If anything, remember what Andrew said at the start. If you want to get better at talking to people, just start doing it. I gave a lecture the other week at Melbourne University, and the first thing I did was tell the students to turn to someone they didn't know and ask them about a fun thing they had planned for the weekend. Very simple. So give it a go. Just talk to someone. You don't have to spout anything profound at them. Just ask them something easy. Like, does this train go to so-and-so? Or is this seat taken? Or what are you eating? Is, is it worth ordering? And if you're worried about being awkward... It's as awkward as you make it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And that is your challenge for the week. What was my challenge this week? To learn Blank Space by Taylor Swift on the ukulele, which is what you're listening to right now. I'll be back next week with another episode and another ukulele tune for you. My name is Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Thank you.